if you have a Bible this evening, turn with me uh, to 1 Samuel chapter 17. And uh, generally we go through two chapters, but uh, there's so much here. And uh, we want to just look at this. Uh, David, we know, uh, was put to the side to pray uh, for Saul. The kingdom has been taken away from Saul. He disobeyed God and he lost his kingdom. What's interesting is uh, God chose David for the next king. But in the meantime, he's a youngster. We don't know how old he is. The word youth that is used here in the Hebrew is adolescent. And the word adolescent can be anywhere uh, from an infant stage uh, all the way up to his 20s. And it's almost the same uh, situation when uh, Abraham took up his son, his only son, and the word lad is used. And so a lot of times we see uh, Isaac as a youngster. Uh, and yet he could have been uh, already a mature teen. And so a lot of scholars believe that David at this point is a, a young teen. He could be 14, he could be 15, he could be 16 years old. But uh, he gets word because he takes food to his brothers at the war, at the battle. There's no battle going on, but you're going to see the two armies. You have uh, the, the, the Philistines on one side. And you have Israel on the other side, and there's this valley called the Valley of Ella. And uh, they have this champion, his name is Goliath. And he's obviously from the Anakims. He's a giant. And everybody's fearful. And so one of the customs at the time, if your champion came out and their champion came out, they would battle it. And then maybe they didn't have to have a, a, a blown out battle. Now, some of the commentaries also said that Goliath could have been a mercenary. This is his ministry, if you may. This is his job. And so he's a seasoned warrior. And here's David, even if he's uh, in his teens. I mean, what does he have against this man? Uh, how's he going to measure up to him? And yet God's going to go before uh, David. Now, something interesting, and a lot of you might not know this. Saul's kingdom is taken away. But he serves the Lord, listen to me, 42 years. Wow. 42 years still in the kingdom. But yet he was going to lose it. He already lost it. And David's next in line. But what I see is that David is being seasoned. David is being taught. So we have a lot to cover. And we want to look at young David versus the giant, Goliath. Look at verse 1 now. Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Soko and Askia in Ephesus, Damien. So you need to understand that the Philistines are the number one enemy uh, to Israel. In verse 2, and Saul, this is King Saul, and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Elah. And they drew up uh, in battle array against the Philistines. It's interesting, uh, Elah, the, this valley of Elah is about 11 to 14 miles southwest of Jerusalem. But I want you to picture this little valley, and then... Uh, Two little, small little mountain ranges or hills even. The armies are on both sides. They want somebody to come down in the middle. There is a, a, a bed stream that goes through there, and it's usually dry. We have never gone to the Valley of Elah uh, during our visits in Israel. Uh, it is on our next tour coming up next year. I want to go there. And there's natural smooth stones there. And we're going to see that David... Uh, picks up five stones. There's only one giant. Why did he need five stones? We'll get to that in a minute. Look at verse 3 now. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, with a valley between them. Uh, this is basically a standoff. Let's see what's going to take place here. Uh, it's for 40 days and 40 nights. And imagine this giant coming out and just literally taunting you. 
and cursing at the God that you serve and the God that you love. This is what just wipes David out. And he says, this is not going to happen. Notice in verse 4, And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistine. His name was Goliath from Gath, whose height was about six cubits and a span. Uh, the estimates that it was, he was at least nine foot tall, uh, six inches. You take the 18 cubits, which is from the index finger, the middle finger to the elbow. It's about 18 inches. And then you multiply it out. It comes out to about nine feet. And then uh, a span was generally about six inches. And that's how they used to build in those days. They didn't have Stanley rulers and such. But notice that Goliath uh, is this giant. I want you to see this. Uh, in the Hebrew, his name, his name meant Sayer. And he was from the Anakims. He was a giant. Uh, was he into the magical arts? Was, it, was he into the divining arts? Because that's what a, a soothsayer is. There's no mention about that, but it's interesting that that's what his name meant. Notice in verse 5, he had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. Now, estimates are given here that it weighed out anywhere from 125 pounds to 150 pounds. But remember the size of this man, so he easily uh, could handle this. But I also want you to think of... Uh, David's going to go up against him. And then Saul has his own armor. And Saul was a big man. He was head and shoulders over everybody. David's a teen. I don't think he's that big. And then Saul tries to give him his armor. And David says, man, I can't do this. Let me go with my sling. And let me go with my shepherd's crook. And that's exactly what David does. But notice now. In verse 6, and he had a bronze armor on his legs and bronze, bronze javelin uh, between his shoulders. And so these have to be weighted down also. But he's a giant. He's an Anakim. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels and a, sh and a shield bearer went before him. Uh, the spear, this weaver's beam could have been anywhere between 7 uh, to 10 feet. And, and so we'll leave it at that. And uh, the weight of the head is estimated between 15 to 20 pounds. But again, uh, this guy's a giant, so he can handle it. But imagine a man this size and the armor, the weapons he carried. Uh, just his presence brought fear upon everybody. And nobody wants to challenge this champion. Uh, basically, Israel has nobody uh, that can, you know, work with this man. And so the taunting goes on. In verse 8, then he stood and he cried out uh, to the armies of Israel. And he said to them, why have you come out uh, to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you the servants of Saul? Uh, choose a man for yourselves, and let him come down to me. And so he's challenging them. And men basically like a challenge. You're challenging me? Well, watch what we're going to do. But they can't get over the stature. They can't get over the size of this man. And so nobody's stepping up to the plate. This guy, uh, you're going to see he's battle seasoned. He's a warrior. He's done this before. And so basically, you get your champion, we'll get our champion, and uh, let's go in the middle and let's see who wins. Look at verse 9. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then uh, we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, and then you shall be our servants and, and serve us. Now, obviously, the Philistines had this giant, and they probably had won many battles. And so this ploy here, they don't plan to lose. They're going to win this thing. But I want you to see this word's going to begin here, and it's going to continue. In verse 10, and the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. The word to defy here is very interesting in the Hebrew. We're going to see it 
in other verses also. I will pull this off from your army. That's the word defying here. That's the context of the phrase here. I defy the armies of Israel this day. In other words, I will pull this off from your armies. He was confident that he was going to win. Then Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, and they were dismayed and greatly afraid. I can only imagine the perplexity, the fear, the concern. I mean, everybody's looking around in the camp of Israel. Who's going to take a shot at this guy? Well, who wants to commit suicide, basically? Because this guy's tough, and they're not going to take him out easily. And nobody is moving. We know that it went on for 40 days, or it generally went on for 40 days. Notice in verse 12 now, it says, David uh, was the son of uh, Ephrathite, of an Ephrathite, that, that of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse, and who had eight sons. We went through that last week. And the man was old, advanced in years, in the days of Saul. This is Jesse now. Now, the three eldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to the battle. The names of these three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn. Next to him was Abinadab, and, and then the third one was Shammah. So this is three of the eight sons. And now David's going to come into the picture. These were obviously of age to go to the battle. David, in verse 14, it tells us, was the youngest, and the three oldest followed Saul. And so again, let's, let's not forget the word youth that it's used about David. He's an adolescent. And an adolescent could be from infant age, while we know he's not there. He's got to be in the 14s, 15s, 16s, 17s. We don't know. But he's not a man yet. But David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And so this would be the area of the shepherd's fields. And the Philistines drew near and presented, the Philistine, singular, this is Goliath, presented himself for 40 days, morning and evening. So the ordeal has been going on now. It's got to be the 40 days. And the taunting is getting worse and worse. And yet nobody is challenging this guy. Then Jesse said to his son David, uh, Take now for your brothers an epaph of, of dried grain and these ten loaves and run to your brothers at the camp. And so Bethlehem was not that far. Jerusalem was not that far. And so the provisions that had to be made, David's probably been doing this all, all along. But now the 40 days are coming to an end. And David's going to get wind of this giant that's blaspheming his God. And it just frustrates him where he takes the charge, where nobody else took the charge. He says, carry these ten cheeses, verse 18, uh, to the captain of their thousands and see how your brothers are faring and bring back news of them. Now Saul and... Now Saul and they had all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah of fighting with the Philistines. But there's no, no fighting going on. There's taunting going on. There's jeering going on. There's name calling going on. And there's plenty of cursing going on. So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper. Listen to that. So we know that Jesse had servants. And he took the things and he went uh, as Jesse had commanded him, and he came to the camp as the army was going out to fight and shouting for the battle. Now, they would come up to the mountain range, but there was no fighting. The fighting was being done just by Goliath. Goliath was uh, just taunting them back and forth and just sh shouting at them. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in the battle array army against army. David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper. He ran to the army, and he came, and he greeted his brothers. Now, here's another take. Watch his brothers. His brothers are saying, what are you doing here? You're just a little kid. 
And his brothers were seasoned warriors. But yet David, notice now, in verse 23, then he, he talked with them that there was a champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same word. So David heard them. Finally. Everybody else has heard it. But David hears it. And he's not happy with it. But I want you to see this. There's a time and a place for everything. At this point, God says, now, David, I want you to hear this because God is preparing uh, David. And so God had David to hear the taunting. It gripped his heart. It gripped his heart. Does it grip our heart when we see the sins of the world? I just read an article before I, I came here uh, this afternoon. And Pastor Saeed was beaten again. And his wife is just, uh, she's losing it. And she says, I went to minister to Congress, and this is the effect. Now, she is not blaming God, but it's the enemy. It's the enemy. And obviously, the Iranians know this. And then we know that uh, David is going to take charge to this. David is not going to like what's taking place. And so it's important here uh, to understand that. Uh, when our heart gets gripped, we can't just sit. we got to do something about it. In verse 24, And the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. Well, I described Goliath. I described his army, uh, his armament, that is. I described his height. And so fear is there. I mean, who would not be fearful? But David sees a different story. Why is it that David sees in the spiritual and the rest of the men are, are seen in the natural? He's a giant. Obviously, he's a giant. I, I want you to write this down because sometimes God will place you, place me in a situation. Maybe it's not a giant, but at the same time, it's a giant for me. It's a giant for you. In 1 John 4.18, John writes, No fear in love. If I'm a Christian, you're a Christian, there is no fear in love. And then John finishes it, perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. You see, David is going to step out by faith. David is going to do something about it. Where nobody else in Israel was doing anything, including King Saul. But Saul has already lost his kingdom. Saul is just going for the ride. When you think about it. But here's the, what I see so much. David is learning from Saul. He's learning the mistakes of Saul. And it's important that we. You, you need to be quiet. We're on CD. Please. The fear of the Lord is very important. The fear of the Lord is very present time of danger. That's what the scriptures say. Uh, verse 25. And so the men of Israel said, I, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come, listen to the word again, uh, to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, uh, the king will enrich with great riches will give him his daughter and give him his father's house and the exemption from the taxes in Israel. And so the promise is there. Think about that. Now here's that word defy again. And so we picked it up in verse 10, now in verse 25. I will pull this thing off from our army. That's what David is going to do. He's going to turn what Goliath wants to do, and he's going to turn it on him. But I want you to see verse 25. Saul has put out perks if somebody is to take this guy out. But who's going to step up to the plate? Uh, even David's brothers that are seasoned, 
and others that are seasoned, but nobody's moving. In verse 26, then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, uh, what shall be done uh, for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Listen to David's response. He's a youngster. He's a young teen. Uh, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. He hasn't, he hasn't passed 19, I believe. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? To pull off this act, this treason, uh, this belligerency against the Lord. That's what David sees. It's against the Lord. It is so important here that we see that. And this is why we need to step up to the plate this is why we need to take care of these things that need to be done. And so, understand that David shouts back, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Look at verse 27 now. And the people answered him in this manner, saying, so shall it be done for the man who kills him. The families, uh, the other men, they're in agreement. Yeah, let's get the perks going. We're in agreement. Pay whatever he needs. Whoever is going to do this. But still, nobody has stood up to the plate. In verse 28, now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep? Uh, he says, in the wilderness. I know your pride. Uh, Eliab does not see it. He says, I know your pride. That's what he sees about David. And the insolence of your heart. For we have come down to see the battle. You have come. You come to spy. You come to check this thing out. Uh, you have to understand something. David is the youngest of the brothers. I would have to agree that he's the spoiled brat. That's what they see him as. But David's starting to come of age. David's not going to put up with this. And David already called this guy an uncircumcised Philistine. And so again, somebody has to take up the reins. And the brothers don't see it. Uh, look at verse 28. And David said, what have I done now? <laughs> what have I done? You guys always are blaming me. I'm the youngster. But watch what David says. Is there not a cause? He turns that around to his brothers. Eliab, you just got through chewing me out. But isn't there a cause? And that's the situation. And I, I have to insert. I think God sees the cause and God says, I'm going to take care of it. David, I'm going to use you. Is there not a cause? In verse 30, then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first one did. There is a cause, in other words. There is a cause. And they didn't want to admit it. In verse 31, Now when the words of which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul. Were they looking to get David in trouble? Because look what Saul does. And he sent for him. Now, at this time, I have to share this with you, what we studied last week. The kingdom has been taken away. Uh, we described that Saul, Ichabod, has come into his life. The glory of the Lord has departed. He's not the anointed one anymore. This is what he chose. And so, I don't think David's in tune. Uh, excuse me. I do not think Saul is in tune. But David is. The Spirit of the Lord has already fallen upon this youngster. Uh, don't forget that. Saul was not in tune with God. Listen, but Saul had fear, just like the rest of them. But they came and they told this to Saul. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistine. I love that because David said, I don't see his height. I don't see his armament. I don't see that weaver's beam of a spear. I don't see nothing. But that this man is defying the living God. The spiritual anger that's hit David. Remember when Jesus went into the temple and he overturned the money changer? The spiritual anger. 
When Saul of Tarsus had become Paul the Apostle, there was times when uh, spiritual anger took over his life. And he would get angry and he would do things that needed to be done. And so Saul's not in tune with the Lord. Fear has set into his heart. Uh, David, literally, in verse 32, he's volunteering. I'll take this giant out. I'll take, he doesn't call him a giant. I'll take this Philistine out because God is going to go before me. David's convinced. In verse 33, and Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. Listen to the description here. Here's the word youth that speaks of an adolescent. For you are but a youth. And he is a man of war from his youth. David's a young teen. Give him the benefit of the doubt. I don't think he's in his 20s, and he could be. He's an adolescent because the Jews would not uh, respect a man until he was 30. In fact, you weren't called a man until you were 30. They figured by the time you were 30, you learned the facts of life to understand. But notice David here. David gives his own testimony. I love this. Remember, he's just a shepherd boy. In verse 34, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's uh, sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and, and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and I struck it and delivered the lamb uh, from uh, its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and I struck it and I killed it. David took out a lion and he took out a bear. Now, they carried that uh, shepherd's crook, it's called. Usually it was over their head, and it was usually some kind of a, a curvature at the end, and it was the purpose of leading sheep. But then they also had a smaller uh, type of club, and they would carry it in the sash. But you're going to see David's greatest weapon was the sling. Now, not the slingshot. Some of you guys can remember, maybe some of you Tom girls, I don't know. But you would get the Y-shaped piece of wood, and then you would get some rubber bands or whatever uh, strength you get, or get your brother's bike and take the tube out. <laughs> now I'm confessing some of my... Uh, anyway, and, and you make a slingshot, remember? It's not what the Jews use, and they still use it today. You can go to the shepherd's field today, in Israel, it's in, it's in Bethlehem, and uh, it's, it's very hard. We don't always get to go there. There's a lot of danger there, and there has to be an opening for us to go in. And so we've, but I've been in the shepherd's field with Ronnie Cohen, and uh, we get to see this. He tricked us. I've shared this with you. Uh, we went to some of the caves, and some of the caves, they believe that easily these caves have been around for centuries. This is where Mary and Joseph could have been. We don't know. But he told us, go in and experience a cave. Well, we all did, 45 of us. It's an animal's cave. The stench was unbearable. But it gave us an insight. What did Mary and Joseph go through? We know that Joseph had to clean it very well. We know he had to wash it out. We know he had to put new straw. We know that Jesus was placed uh, in an animal's trough. And, and we know that she took swaddling clothes, remember? And so it's just a beautiful picture. And so we can still see the shepherds today. And they have their slings. Because predators come. And then when a sheep is starting to go, a lamb starting to go, uh, they know how to cast that stone. And they'll blow it right in front of him. And it freaks them out and they get back in line. These guys are very good at it. I don't want you to think of the Y shape. This is a sling. We're going to describe it a little bit more here. And notice now, David describes this whole situation he's had in time past uh, with a bear and a lion. And he says he killed both of them. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine, verse 36, will be like one of them, seeing he had defied the armies of the living God. He says he's going to pull this thing off. David says, 
not in my watch. And David's going to take uh, the lead here. In verse 37, moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. I think that Saul found an escape hatch. I think Saul said, Finally, somebody. Let's get this show on the road. Did he care about David? At this moment, is he already starting to get come against David? You know, we don't see all these things, but God has a plan. Nothing can happen to David unless it's ordained by God. I learned something years ago that's never left me. Nothing can happen to you. Nothing can happen to me. Because there's been times I throw my arms up and my hands up and I say, Lord, why am I going through this? Nothing can happen to you unless at first, listen, filters through God's hands. Have you ever said to God, Lord, do you know what's going on in my life? Like he doesn't know. Yes, he does. And that's why God allows things in my life. God allows things in your life. It has to go through him. Did God know what Job was going through? Yes. Does God know what's going in your life? Yes. But see, we're so frustrated with the situation. Lord, you left me. Lord, you abandoned me. And how many times in scriptures do we see the promises of God? I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I am with you till the end of time. Be careful because I've done it through the years. Lord, I don't feel you. You show me in scripture where it says we feel the Lord. We don't. It's by faith. Lord, the, the enemy's telling me you're not here, but I know you're here, Lord. And I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee. Amen, in verse 37, moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me uh, from the lion and also from the bear. And so Saul is giving him the permission now. Nobody else is volunteering. And so verse 38, so Saul clothed David with his armor and he put a bronze helmet on his head. And he also clothed him with a coat of mail. Now, this is his Armor. This is Saul's armor. Again, David's a youngster. Even though he's in his teens, he's a youngster. And I don't think David is that big of a man or that big of a youngster. But Saul, again, let's let's look at his height. He was head and shoulders over everybody. And one of the things they looked at was the outside appearance. And so now he wants to give him his armor. In verse 39, David fastened his sword uh, to his armor and he tried to walk. For he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these for I have not tested them. I think David's being polite. And so David took them off. <laughs> what did he look like? Now, I'm going to give you a, a, a real quick description. Uh, most of you know who Shaquille O'Neal is. And he, he played for the NBA. He, he is a monster. He played a movie and he was great, the great Shazam, right? Anyway, uh, I want you to see this. So he comes to the sideline, Shaquille O'Neal, and she's there. Jan is there. Now look at Jan. I, I love you, Jan. But, you know, imagine Shaq says, Here, here's all my, my clothing. Get in the game. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Uh, I think we, they've said that Shaq's shoes are double a normal man. 24? <laughs> Unbelievable. And so they're trying to clothe or, or Saul's trying to clothe young David. It's not going to work. He takes it off. Look at verse 40. And then he took his staff in his hand. And he chose for himself, listen to this, of five smooth stones from the brook. And he put them in the shepherd's bag and in the pouch which he had with his sling. 
that was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. I want you to see the picture of the sling, not the Y-shaped slingshot that we're accustomed to, but the strands were usually a good two feet, maybe even three feet, depending on you. And in the middle, there was a piece of leather, and the strands would come up. And in that piece of leather, you would put this stone. And these guys are definitely good at it. Ronnie Cohen showed us, and he wheels that thing. He went this way, actually. He went this way, and then he lets it go. Now, he let some of the guys try it. Nobody was even close. It's a miracle nobody hit themselves in the head or hit somebody else in the head. But Ronnie was pretty decent with it because he's a tour guide, so he's practiced it. But these young shepherd boys, that's their life. That's their life. They practice, they practice, they practice, and they don't miss a lick. I'm going to give you a scripture in just a minute here. But notice that he would take this sling, and he would take this pouch. Now, I asked you earlier, he gathers five stones. In all reality, he only needs one. Uh, there are those that say Goliath might have had four more brothers. I don't know. It says Goliath was the only one there. Why the extra stones? Well, maybe David thought, one's not going to be enough. This guy's pretty big. But one was enough. Now, I want you to write this verse down. In Judges chapter 20, verse 6. Uh, excuse me. Judges chapter 20, uh, verse 16. And it's talking about a battle that they were having. The Benjamites were part of the battle. The Benjamites, it says, among the Benjamites, there was an elite uh, troops. 700, listen to this, were left-handed, and each of them could sling a rock and hit a target within a hair's breadth without missing. These guys were good. This was 700 of them. And so David was seasoned. David knew exactly. And David was ready to use that sling for battle. Uh, it's not... <laughs> It's not the lion, it's not the bear, but it might as well be with this guy Goliath. And so look at verse 41 now. So the Philistine came, and he began drawing near to David, and the man who bore the shield went before him, so he had this, this guy that was kind of the, the point man. But I want you to see the picture here. I mean, here's a huge giant, and here's David. Something interesting. David senses the victory. He runs uh, to Goliath. I want you to see this here. In verse 42, And when the Philistine looked about and he saw David, he disdained him. In other words, he scorned at him. He sneered at him. Uh, he was despised by his size. He, he, he had contentment towards David. He says, for he was only a youth. Again, the word is adolescent. And he was ruddy and a, a good-looking kid. Remember, we described this reddish youth, reddish hair. So the Philistine said to David in verse 43, Am I a dog that you came to me with sticks? He's got the shepherd's crook. To him, it's a little toothpick. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. David's about had it. The anger is stirred up in David's heart. In verse 44, And the Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give your, your flesh to the birds of the air and the beast of the field. And then David said to the Philistine, hey, You come to me with a sword and with the spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Oh, man, I'll tell you what, words can kill. Uh, David's got this giant pretty angry at this point. It's not about the sling. It's not about any weapon that I might have. It's not about the, this shepherd's crook. But I come in the name of the Lord. I come in the name of the Lord of hosts, uh, the God of the armies of Israel. In verse 46, this day the Lord would deliver you into my hand. 
and I will strike you and take your head off uh, from you. And this day I will give the carcasses uh, of the camp of, of the Philistine uh, to the birds of the air and, and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that the, there is a God in Israel. Now, it's not just Goliath that's going to die, but he says the Philistines, they're going to become meat uh, to all the other prey and such. So uh, the victory is already there. David's ready. And so I, I, I love David's heart. David had, and listen to me, David had not an ounce of fear in his heart, but David had confidence. David had confidence. The word confidence, he had assurance. Not in his sling uh, that he had experienced, but he had confidence in the Lord. His confidence is in the Lord. Your confidence is in the Lord. In verse 47, then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save uh, with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you, give it to you into your hands. God does not use conventional methods. God does not use the mechanical things, and yet he can. But the weapons are of our warfare are spiritual. David was ready to battle because of the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. Yes, he had experience with a, with a sling, but David trusted in the Lord. I, I think it's very important that we understand that. You need to. Please. I want you to turn to the book of Romans, please. Romans chapter 8, verse 31 through 39. Paul gives us a little bit of insight in this area. And Paul is teaching on God's everlasting love. And if you've ever studied the book of Romans, listen, it's all about the grace of God. It's all about the grace of God. The grace of God, not the works. And so Romans chapter 8, look at verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? He says, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Uh, how shall he not uh, with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? This is what uh, the giant was doing. It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? Is it Christ who died and furthermore and also risen? Who is even at the right hand of God? Who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us? Or what shall separate us? Who shall separate us? Either way, from the love of Christ. Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, pearls, or perils, or sword? As it is written, and if you're taking notes, he's quoting Psalm 44, verse 22. For your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. That is happening in the Middle East right now. Verse 37. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors uh, through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, uh, nor things present or things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. David was experiencing this. And here's Paul the Apostle writing this years later, centuries later. The hand of God goes before you. The hand of God goes before me. We are not to fear. In fact, I've heard preachers say uh, that fear is a sin. Worry is a sin. And so we need to trust God. I want you to mark this down. It's a passage that I love so much. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 15 and 16, uh, King Jehoshaphat and Israel are going up against a fierce battle. And 
I, I love Jehoshaphat, the king. He's praying. The battle is, is against the uh, Ammonites and the Moabites. And then it says, and others. Israel was to be defeated that day uh, in the eyes of man. Listen to what the Lord says. This is a promise that I've held on to for years. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15. And he said, listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat, this was the prophecy now. Thus saith the Lord to you, do not be afraid or dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but the battle belongs to the Lord. Oh, how many times I have to receive that. How many times you have to receive that. The battle is not yours, but the battle belongs to the Lord. And then here's the promise in verse 16. Tomorrow, go down against them, uh, the Ammonites, the Moabites, and others, and they will surely come up uh, by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook uh, before the wilderness of Jeruel. And the victory was given to Jehoshaphat. But he went to prayer and he trusted in the Lord. I believe David had also gone to prayer. Uh, look at verse 48 now. And so it was, let's go back to our text. And so it was when the Philistines uh, arose and came up and he drew near to, to meet David. I, I want you to see this, that David hurried and he ran toward the army uh, to meet the Philistine. David didn't wait. He saw him coming. He runs towards him. And I'm just thinking, how did Goliath move? He's got all this armor on him. And I mean, it had to have been slow in nature when you think about it. As David was approaching Goliath, then David put his hand in his bag. He took out a stone and he slung it and he struck the Philistine. Listen to this, in his forehead, and so that the stone uh, sank into his forehead. Uh, we've all seen the pictures, the various helmets that they wear, and, and there's just so much opening. Well, there was just enough opening right here. Just enough. That's all God needed, right? And David took that sling, and if he was like these other guys that we read about, the Benjamites, that were left-handed, these guys within a hair's breadth, they hit their target. And so I want you to think about that. At this time, it hit him in the forehead so that the stone, the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. He's out cold. There's no need to count one through ten. He's out. So David uh, prevailed over the Philistine with the sling and a stone and he struck the Philistine and he killed him. But there was no sword. In the hand of David. Therefore. Now watch this. David ran and he stood over the Philistine. Uh, took his sword and he drew it out of his sheath. And he killed him. And he cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead. What did they do? But they fled. They fled. Fear uh, comes in uh, to the camp. But I like this. At first David ran to him. And now they are the ones doing the running. In verse 52, Now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted, and they pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley and the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell along the road uh, to Sherem, and even as far as Gath and Ekron. And, and so total victory. I want you to see that here. In verse 53, Then the children of Israel returned from, the, from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their tents. Now, remember the Amalekites, when they took the victory in the Amalekites, they were not to bring any of the spoil back. They were not to bring back any survivors. And that's what got uh, Saul into trouble. But now the spoils were taken. And generally, the spoils belonged to the victor. And so that was part of their payment. And so they come back uh, into the tents and they took everything that needed to be taken. I like that. But notice now, therefore David ran and he stood over the Philistine, took the sword and he killed him. In verse 53, the children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistine. But verse 54, 
you have to appreciate David. And David took the head of the Philistine and he brought it to Jerusalem. But he put his armor in his tent. Uh, did he bring back a trophy? Did he br bring back victory? Uh, something I'm going to show you here. Uh, Saul had brought back King Agag. I believe he brought him back as a trophy. And then, uh, remember Samuel? He reaches over and he took the sword. This is what you were supposed to do. And he hacked them to death. But God doesn't say anything about this Philistine giant. I believe God approved of it. Now, where's the Levitical law in all this? David's going around with this head. <laughs> Look at verse 55. When Saul saw David uh, going out against the Philistine, he said uh, to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is, is this youth? And Abner said, as your soul lives, O king, I do not know. And so the king said, inquire whose son this young man is. Now, did Saul know who David was? He had been playing the harp. I think he knew him. But he doesn't know his family. And so that's what he wants to find out. Inquire whose son this young man is. Then as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistines, Abner took him and brought him before Saul, listen to this, with the head of the Philistines in his hand. So he kept this thing. Uh, again, da uh, David was so appreciative of the victory that God gave him. Interesting. Verse 58, the conclusion. And Saul said to him, Whose son are you, young man? And so David answered, I am the son of your servant, Jesse, uh, the Bethlehemite. David took the charge. David uh, took uh, the victory. David was not fearful. Perfect love cast out all fear. Very important to see that. Let's all stand and we'll end with a word of prayer. Father, we give you praise, honor, and glory, and worship, Lord. Uh, we stand in awe of the story of David and Goliath. We stand in awe of your promises. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And so, Father, your hand of grace was on David, uh, a shepherd boy. He's coming up in age. He's, 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 a, he's an older teen. The armament of Saul didn't even help him at all. But all he needed was your hand to guide that stone that took out Goliath. And Lord, I pray that we, we would see when we stand up for God, he's going to go before us. He's going to pave the way. And so, Father, bless your people as they've come, Lord. Minister to our hearts. Because as Bill mentioned when he did the study, uh, concerning David and Goliath, we all have giants in our midst. And yet David was able to take him out with one stone. And so, Father, speak to our hearts, minister to our hearts. We look forward as we continue in 1 Samuel and then eventually to 2 Samuel. Lord, we are your servants and we want to learn your ways, not ours. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And we all agree by saying, Amen.